0: Lebo to enter his rest. You know, Lebo and then rest. Oxymoron. Two words that seem to stand like this. That's what we want to talk about. The Bible says there's a rest that still remains for us. Amen. Father, speak to our hearts to the very core of who we are and let your word activate us and bring us to where you want us to stand going forward in Jesus name amen all right I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 1 I think this is NLT oh no this is NIV Okay, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard, did not combine it with faith or they did not have faith in what in what they heard what they didn't make much sense they couldn't process it with faith and so the word of of the word become of no use to them. all right. Now we who have believed, now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, you know, I declare an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet, his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere, He has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Does it mean he has been idle ever since? No. But every work that is supposed to have been done as far as his creative mind and his sovereign being is It's been finished. He is living inside the finished work. And he's also called us to come live inside the finished work. Yet again, in this passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their. Disobedience. If there is time, I will define for you what God calls disobedience in this context. Disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today. Today. After a very long time, He spoke through David. As was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden in your heart. If you hear his voice, say yes. If you understand, just say yes to God. That's the way to enter that rest. For if Joshua had given them rest, God will not have spoken later about another day there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following they example of disobedience. The power of history is that history can guide you correctly. And if you don't know your history, you will repeat mistakes of the past. You will make mistakes repeatedly. So the word of God is given to us. Corinthians says so that we will not make the same mistakes. That people who went before us made. Amen? Amen. Um, Do me a favor. You know we're very few, so I see everybody. If you sleep, it discourages me. I, I want to be encouraged as much as I want to encourage you. So the favor you would do me is to keep awake and also to be looking by your side from time to time and be your brother's keeper, be your sister's keeper. If a person drift a little bit, you tap the person. It's not a sin to drift. But let's just keep awake. Amen? It's just 10 o'clock in the morning. Let's all keep awake. Okay. All right. Our objective this morning, I'm going to extract that from verse 11. It says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. That's our objective and I had to look at it from different translations of the word of God. It says, let us therefore be zealous and exact ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. My favorite Trans, um, TPT. it says, so dead, we must be eager to experience this faith rest life. Faith rest life. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Let us labor, this is old King James, labor to enter into that rest. So our objective is to be diligent to enter the rest that remains for us. And then we will also attempt defining what that rest is. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to make a linkage to where we are today. And I want you to listen very well. Okay? The few places you're going to hear the things that I want to say to you. I I still say that with a sense of sobriety and humility. But you see, when my wife read that scripture, David sensed that specialness of God's treatment. And he had to carry that sense of specialness with sobriety, with with responsibility. So I want you to open your ears very well and then hear what God is saying to us. In Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 34 it says speak to the children of Israel saying the fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. Verse 39 and in the fifteenth day of the seventh month when you have gathered In the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. Remember when we talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, we are talking about the Feast of Ingathering. Okay? Are you with me? We are talking about the season that is upon us. The season of Ingathering. It is observed on the 15th day of the seventh month when they would have finished gathering in the full and final harvest of the year and they were to live in booths or tabernacles. That's why it's called the Feast of Tabernacles in some more, more modern translation. It calls it the Feast of Boots. They live in booths for seven days from the 15th to the 21st. Of that seventh month. Now, all the feasts of the Lord were observed in connection with Sabbath days. So the first day was the Sabbath. And on the earth day, too, after the seventh day, would be another Sabbath. Another Sabbath. But these were the times when Israel must cease from their own works and rest in the work of Christ. The feast of ingathering is the real feast of a Sabbath rest. Of which the others, even though they will observe certain Sabbaths, whether it was the Feast of Passover or the Feast of Pentecost, they will observe a holy convocation, a Sabbath rest. But the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Ingathering is the real Feast of Rest. It was the seventh in the series of feast i explained that to you before there's the feast of passover there is the feast of unleavened bread that is also 7 days at the end of which there is the weaving a waving of the sheaf of first fruit then 50 days after you've got the feast of weeks or the Feast of the Harvest of First Fruit, or the Feast of Pentecost. That was the fourth. And then you come on to the seventh month. On the first day of the seventh month, you have the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Atonement. On the no, Feast of Blowing of Trumpet, on the first day. Then on the tenth day of the same month, you have atonement. Blowing of trumpet, atonement. Then on the 15th, you have the Feast of Ingathering. So that is the seventh. Okay? Are you okay with me? All of these things are found in Leviticus chapter 23. It's a very good book. But if you're not very mature, spiritually, you'll find it very boring. Why I say it's a very good book let me let me let me tickle your mind a little bit. Why did why did why did God forbid Moses from entering the promised land? It's in the Word of God. Anybody? Yes. Is God more interested in a rock than in a human being? What what was He teaching us? He is teaching us that whatever I'm dealing with, I am doing, is a pattern. You know what we mean by pattern? A precedence. I'm going into something. And if you violate it, you are violating something beyond than just you are striking a rock. Jesus was not smitten two times. Once. And then it's like you of all persons you should know. If I spare others, I'm not going to spare you. Alright, so even in all of this, there were certain patterns. And he's interested in us knowing what he is doing, seeing the big picture, and walking with him into the big picture. Alright, so the Feast of Ingathering was the seventh in the series of feasts. It was observed in the seventh month. It was celebrated for seven days. Uh, Well, these are some of the mathematics inside the Word of God. It was celebrated between the 15th to the 21st day of the seventh month. And when you say 21st, 21 is a triple of seven. Three... Speaks of perfection. Am I correct? So you're talking of rest in a perfect sense. In an absolute sense. And that's rest that remains for his people. I went into all of that to tell you that the feast of ingathering is the feast of rest. Amen? Amen? We're still on our way to look at what that rest is. And why God wants us to enter that rest to be diligent enough to do it. So let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Or we must be eager to experience this faith rest life. Are you with me so far? Good. I'm still in the same level, chicos. Don't be bored. Makes sense. Um, let me trick your mind a little bit again. How, What was the source of. Um, some of you have done research before and you have a source from where you pick materials to do your research. All right? New Testament writers, what was their primary source? To be able to write the things that they wrote in the New Testament, especially from the episodes. Yes? anybody? Huh? Old Testament. Dal, are you with us? Are you with me? What was my question? Okay, because you are looking very distant and lost. Their yes, source was the Old Testament. Am I correct? Am I correct? Yes. Several in the New Testament you say, as it is written. Even when Jesus woke, uh, not woke, rose from the dead, not woke up. When he rose from the dead and he began to talk to, remember the disciples who were going to Emmaus. Two of them. Jesus began to talk to them about himself. But he didn't tell them, I am Jesus. And the Bible says he started to talk to them from the law and the prophets and the Psalms how that Jesus was supposed to come, die, and resurrect. In the New Testament. So that's their primary source. This is what I want to say to us. There are some things in the New Testament you will not understand until you go back to the primary source of it. For instance, you will not understand what Pentecost is just by reading it in the New Testament. You will not. You will have to go back. You will not understand what the Feast of Tabernacle is or the Feast of Ingathering is until you go back to the Old Testament. And I'm sure most of you can't even remember seeing the Feast of Tabernacles in the New Testament. Am I correct? John chapter 7. It says, When the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles had arrived, you wouldn't even pay attention to that. You would just jump. But you wouldn't know that anything and everything that was going to be said in that John chapter 7 is premised on the fact that when the Jewish feast of tabernacle had arrived. So that's why I'm reading some of these things. And don't it's very easy actually. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them the feasts of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, then these are my feasts. But before he went into saying that, he says, Six days Shall work be done? But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And I am sure if a Sabbatarian is here, his head will be swelling. You think I am speaking in favor of them? <laughs> that is not the Sabbath rest. These were types you understand. God was laying down patterns and precedents. He wasn't asking us to go observe physical dates anymore. No. You see, God reminded his people about the weekly Sabbath rest first, just before delving into the ordinances of the three feasts. And just as the weekly Sabbath was the end of Israel's week of toil and labor, so is the feast of ingathering the end of the church's week of strife and turmoil. Church is coming to a place of rest, place of arrival and a place of finish. However, as we proceed, you will discover that the rest I'm talking about is not cessation from work. It is not. Yes. Okay, so let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4. The context has to do with the experience of Israel in Numbers when Moses sent the twelve to go and spy out the land in preparation for an eventual event. They were sent, the Bible says in verse 20 of Numbers chapter 13, During the time of the first ripe grapes, during the time of the season where the feast of the harvest of first fruit, which is Pentecost, was normally observed, that was the season that they were sent out by Moses. A casual reader of the word of God wouldn't pay attention to that because it doesn't really mean anything to me. And coming down to the brook of Eshcol, they plucked a cluster of grapes. That cluster was so big that they had to put it in a pole, in a staff, and two people carried it. That's a cluster. Okay. If it was the time of first fruit and the mere cluster was that big, What will the harvest look like when it has come to full harvest, which is in gathering? Are you with me? Are you with me? I'm taking you back to what the writer of Hebrews chapter 4 was referring to. Because if you just read that, and you didn't go back to, look at closely, what is he even talking about historically? You won't get exactly what he said. Let me tell you, it was either Friday night or Thursday night. I knew exactly the spot at which the word dropped. I was driving in front of a vehicle and I saw something like entering the rest, and then the word dropped labor to enter into that rest. I read Hebrews chapter four in close to eight different translations. I kept reading over and over and over and over and over. I still didn't get the message. It was somewhere deep inside my subconscious labor to enter into the rest. Until it clicked. I went back to the vertical. And then by the time you start reading back the reference that Paul was alluding to in Hebrews chapter 4. You go back into the story. Then it will start making sense to you. They were on a journey. And the journey, they were to enter a land. That land was not a barren land. Or it was not an empty land. I hope you know human beings were there. They were there. If you read Deuteronomy, you will hear God saying, I'm sending you to a land that is prepared. Where you would drink water from wells you did not dig. You would drink wine from orchards you did not plant. You would live in houses you did not build. Filled with things that you did not field. God prepared a place and was taking them into that place. Amen? Amen. Even in creation, man was the last to be created. But you know everything that was created before man was created for man. To prepare a place for man to live in including the garden. Let me put it this way. The reason for everything God created was because he wanted to create the garden. And the reason for creating the garden was because he wanted man to live there. And the reason that man existed in the garden was for God to test him so that he can have dominion of not just the garden but the entire walk of creation. Am I correct? Yeah. Psalms 8 says, What is man that you're mindful of him? He said, When I consider the works of your hands, the stars, the moon, everything that you have created. I say, What is man that you, you made him a little lower than Elohim? But you have crowned him with glory and honor and you've set him above all the works of your hands. The stars, the moon, everything you created was for man. In the same way, there is a prepared life in the spirit. And he wants us to go live there. Alright, so it was a time of the first fruit. And a mere cluster they plucked had to be bought. In fact, they came back with the fruit. After journey for many days, they came back and showed Moses, said, look at the fruit. Indeed, that land flows with milk and honey. You remember? Good. That's the background. Now, what must it be like to not just make a little incursion and collect some fruits and say, Kai, it really flows with milk and honey, to literally live there, to drink from wells which they, did not, which they did not dig, eat fruits of vineyard and olive trees which they did not plant, and to inhabit houses which they did not build. That is the rest that remains for the people of God. It is entering into a place that has already been prepared for us in the spirit. It is laying hold of that for which Christ laid hold of on us. Or apprehend. Paul said, I want to apprehend that for which he apprehended me. He laid hold of me for a reason. I wasn't selected by accident or casually. You are not selected by accident. You are not an accident of history. I don't care where you stand today spiritually, the day, the month, is soon coming, where you will begin to understand the significance of you, and the significance of the season, and the significance of your journey, and the significance of your experiences so far. It is entering into an appropriating resurrection life by the Spirit. Resurrection life speaks of death to self-preference. Self-preference And death to it is a massive portal into this rest that we are still trying to define. So unfortunately, after searching the land for 40 days and coming back with fruit to prove that the land indeed flows with milk and honey, they rejected the idea of invading and occupying that land. This is the disobedience not stepping into the fullness that God had prepared them for. The gospel preached about entering this kind of land was not accepted by them on account of the giants they saw in the land among all the factors. The gospel was not mixed with faith in their hearts because they could not process the fact that it was an already finished works that they were entering into. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. The field is already white. You are not the one that makes the field white. Am I correct? He's the one. But Jesus said, you are entering into the harvest for which others have bestowed labor. It's not your labor. It's not your hard works. You are entering into the harvest that has already been prepared. It is a finished work. That's why Passion Translation calls it Faith, Rest, Life. He sees the end from the beginning. He calls things which be not as though they were. Amen? As far as disciples we were concerned, said, look, we actually spy the land. True, true. It flows with milk and honey. But another thing that you never talked to us about is that they are giants. Before our eyes were like grasshoppers and they also entered their eyes. (laughs) Because they say, and also in their eyes we were like grasshoppers. (laughs) They entered their head and saw them looking at them. Who are these grasshoppers? I said the walls that they built, that walls is as high as the heavens. So don't tell us about that. Today, those walls have come to represent what is just impossible, right? You look at the world that we are living in today, so many things look impossible. It's like finishing looks impossible. How do we finish? When you look at the state of the church, or you want to talk to one person, how the person responds to you. A baby girl is just sucking. I actually wanted to get somebody's attention to wake up. And you look at the state of confusion today. But the Pentecostals who are sincere and genuine, all they will just want to say is, "God, just take us home." But they don't understand that homegoing is a process. In fact, the word that is called the coming of the Lord, parousia, actually also means the arrival of the Lord. And I prefer that arrival of the Lord because arrival tells you it's a process. The person is journeying and then eventually arrived. In the same way he is arriving, Is that same way we are also moving towards meeting with him. It's a process and we are inside of that process. I'm saying if you look into the world today, except the word of God has built a bastion of strength and hope and faith and understanding inside of your heart, your heart will fail. Your heart will collapse. We know these things. We see these things. We're talking in a platform in the estate because in the estate, we stayed for three days with no light. And of course, it turned out also that there was no water as a result of that. It got so bad that if you came out of our gate, it was like a marketplace. People were struggling to get Merua and then Merua were now doing guy. You say, I'm not coming to the estate. I actually heard from the cleaner of our house that they used to buy a truck for between two fifty and three hundred. We got a truck for two thousand. <laughs> with begging, with begging, you know when we got the water in the evening. I could go on and on and on. Okay, I want to always say that we we don't play ignorant of these things, we don't, we are aware of them. What am I trying to say? If you sit back and look at the things. You, an ordinary Nigerian, have to battle with it on a daily basis, tackle on a daily basis, endure, stomach, bottle up, and then you come to church and we are not giving you a get rich quick gospel and we are telling you we want to take the land, We're telling you that. We want to enter rest. We want to finish the work. We want to go home. It has to be mixed with faith. It is easy to judge disciples and say they only saw giants <laughs> and they ran away. They saw cities walled up to the heaven and ran away. They saw the level of civilization such as they have not seen, and God said, "Go take them over." He said, "Come, look. Be reasonable. Be logical. You won't go die." What is the meaning of this? All right. Are you still with me? Have I lost you? This is the background to the warning of the Holy Spirit from the book of the Hebrews. Let the world that is common be processed correctly by faith. Realized it is an already finished works. By God. Realize the harvest is there. Realize that there are thousands. Upon thousands. Upon thousands. In the valley of decision. Brought there by God. Not by you. He is the one. That is creating the situation. That is bringing. Multitudes. To the valley of decision. It is not your works. It is way out of human sight do you remember that when eventually they went into, the, into Jericho there were no giants in Jericho amen? amen when they eventually marched around the walls of Jericho and it collapsed that was like 38 years later it's not here <laughs> that was 38 years later When God said, okay, according to your faith, so be it unto you. He said, ah, Moses, you and God, you brought us here to kill us. God said, amen, you will die. And for 38 years, he wiped all of them. A new generation arose. By the time the new generation crossed over and took Jericho, there were no giants. Anymore. What happened to them, I don't know. There are things that exist way out of your sight. And so when the word of God comes, whether it sounds logical or makes sense to you or relevant, just believe it. Amen. And say yes to God. Okay, so let's move forward. You see, we will not settle for only first food. Amen. Amen. We want the full and final harvest because we're not going out of here without that. That's why we are special. We carry our specialness with a sense of responsibility. Others don't understand. If you come to understand, understanding comes with a penalty. It puts a burden upon you. Responsibility. You're going to go ahead of others so that others can come. So let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. It sounds like contradictions, oxymoron, level, enter into the rest. The rest that we speak of is not a cessation from works. Just like entering the promised land did not mean absence of war, an actual physical fighter. You remember? Say, so I'll go before you, I'll drive out the Amorite, the Perizzite, the, the Giga Shite, all the Shites. And you think they will just match in. No. You will still physically see those guys. But as far as God is concerned, it's a finished work. Amen? Amen. It's a finished work. Will you go through pressure? Yes, you will. The rest is entering into works of God. Into the works of God. Or the works God prepared beforehand and graced us to accomplish within the context of our mortal existence. Brings us back to where we started in the beginning of the year. Works written in the volume of books concerning us. Amen? Amen. Ephesians says, you are the handiworks of God created unto good works which God ordained from before time that we should walk in them. You are the handiworks of God. You were created by God to do certain good works. He ordained that you will walk in these good works before time. Those works are the works written in the volume of books concerning us. When Jesus came, he said, those are the works I've come to do. What is written concerning me in the volume of books. Not too many things. Now this is very different from all the good works we strive to accomplish for God by virtue of our giftings and the financial, material, and human resources within our disposal and also depending on the slant of understanding we have. You know sometimes, I mean that's the big difference between apostolic evangelism and All we have done before. You know, what you know before is there is this guilt-driven evangelism we do because you must talk to every human being you have seen on the earth. You understand what I'm talking about? No, you are delivered from that. Amen. Amen. You're delivered from that. It's not my making. Some will go to hell. Some people will go to hell. It's not my making. It's not everybody that will go to heaven. But I don't know those. And I mustn't speak to every human being that I I meet. There are those God tied their destiny with mine. And I want God to lead me to find them. These good works that we do, most times, it distort the plans of God as long as it prevents us from entering into the works of God himself. For anyone who enters in enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Drinking from wells which they dug not, eating fruits of vineyards and olive trees which they did not plant, and inhabiting houses which they did not build was the kind of life Jesus lived on earth. He simply did only what was written in the volume of books concerning him. The gospel writers will put it very simply, this he did that it might be fulfilled what was written in the prophets or Psalms or the law concerning him. But for him, he will simply say, I speak what I hear my father say. I do what I see him doing. I teach what he taught me and I say it the way he wants me to say it. Else he would not go to to the to the pool of bedsider, right? Where you have five portico. I don't what is portico by the way? Canopy. were important folks. There were plenty of them and he healed only one man and walked away. One and walked away. He had the power to heal everybody there and show himself that he healed only one person. That's what he saw his father doing at that time. Am I making sense to you? That's what he saw his father doing. Sometimes it's good to do what study. Run into some of those Archaic King James English. Check what it means in a new, t- in, in a new version of English. How I many of you have read, read that Solomon's particle before? Whatever. <laughs> Did you bother to find out what it means? He could have a perfect picture of a rest we're talking about. Yet, you could still see exhaustion from labor as he sleeps in the boat or as he rests by the well when he spoke with the woman at Samaria. He was still physically tired. But he was inside a rest, a rest of, I'm not laboring myself to perform. No, I just do what God wants me to do. Am I making sense to us now? By simply living in close coordination with the Father, every giant that were in the promised land were taken down, every ordained work was accomplished in exact accordance as the Father desired. it. And this level of proximity and coordination with the Father is no longer a remote theory. It is right now within reach. And this is the import of the season of ingathering that we are in now. Hearing the voice of God and following his direction gives us individual access into his vast strategic plan. No one fully knows the vast strategic plan plan of bringing in the full and final harvest. No one, no one ministry knows it. No one organization knows it. Congress does not have a complete picture of the vast strategic plan of God. What we know is that there is a vast strategic plan and that as all of us individually Follow the direction that God gives us. We will access that vast strategic plan. What the plans of God are for you and for the other kingdom community, it may exist outside of my uh, line, line of sight. I don't know. But he knows and he's coordinating everything. Amen? You know, I was looking at the building of the Temple of Solomon. Um, There were about 200,000 people involved in that. No, uh, Yeah, about 200. I have made a calculation with about 200,000 people. And they had about 3,200 supervisors. And I'm just looking at a project where you have 3,200 supervisors and you have over 200,000 people. There were those whose job was just cutting timber. There were about 10,000. In fact, 30,000. They were going in shift of 10,000. 10, three months. And then there were those who were shipping it from Tyre down to Jerusalem. So there were those who also was logging it. <clears throat> there were those whose job was chiseling stones from the quarry. And there were those whose jobs were carrying the chiseled stone to the site. And there were those who were fitters, just fixing the stone. And there were those whose job was use the cedar board And panel all the stone work. And there were those whose job was. They come. They know how to deal with gold. They use gold. And cement the whole board. And draw trees in it. Different things. And you discover that. This one's expertise. Couldn't replace this other person's expertise. Those who know how to cut stone may not know how to cut wood. But each one faced what they were equipped and prepared to do. And in doing that, they were not looking over another person's shoulder. What is that person doing? Let me copy it. That's what I'm saying. Some of the good works we do get in the way. This is very different from all the good works we strive to accomplish. Some of them are motivated out of competition. Am I correct? Even what you are not graced enough to do, you want to do. So some of these good works most times distort the plans of God. Because you were supposed to be a quarter of woods and cedars. But you simply discover that the one that everybody sees is the one that is using gold to plaster. so I want to do the same thing. Can somebody help me read Ephesians 2:10 again? Whichever translation you see, read it. Anybody? Ephesians 2:10. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then when you read the Philippians 3, Paul said, look, I'm striving. I am laboring. I'm being diligent. And what is he laboring and striving to do? To lay hold not Joshua's type of laying <laughs> But to apprehend what is it that my life is about and then I just do it. Okay. High consciousness of real-time guidance from the Lord is a necessity. I can be talking with you. I can be preaching like right here and a word drops in my spirit. Be able to track it and know, yeah, this word, this is what God is saying now. Because it's not, when we say we are in a season, see, there's something about existing in that orbit of divine arrival, of divine timing, and acting within that circumference. There's something about it. We are inside a divine timing, and inside of that divine timing, I'm trying to unpack the import of that and I'm trying to let you know that this is not an option anymore. This is available in that spiritual environment. Real-time guidance from the Lord. Real-time guidance. It doesn't make you spooky. It doesn't make you weird. It's just normal. Doing your normal thing. Doing your job. Loving your family. Loving your wife. But everything interlaced. And every time there is this, go speak to that person. Go love that person. Go make friends with that person. You know, for the first time, I went to leash. What did they call it? She is leashing a dog. Is that the right word? Walk a dog. No. I did that for the first time. I just sat down because yesterday was, was weird. I said, Kai, "This day is just spiraling out of control from my hand. I don't know what to do. Everything you try is not working. There was even a time we started having confusion with Nepal. Because I've called them and they were working but they had a lot of problem in that line from morning till night. working on that line. So within this period of time I said Kai, let me make this house a little bit bright. I put the jet. You put the gel, neighbor will bring light. You put off your jet nipple will take the light. You wait again, you put your jet nipple will bring light. I got angry, I said I'm not putting it off again. I just leave it. So it was looking like madness. This thing was going to 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I called one security man. I said, do you know how to put it up there? He said, yes. I said, go and put it up for me. He went as the pulling cable. I screamed at him. I said, I thought you said, put the thing off from the key. As he's putting the thing off, just like, brrrr, took the light. I said, okay, let's stay like that. Light, I don't want. Napa, I don't want. Just go your own way. After that scene, I went back again. I said, okay, I don't even care anymore. I'll just put the light and leave it. Let me just do something else. In fact, even let me just even put the TV on. I put the TV on, the subscription has expired. <laughs> the internet expired. I said, why would they expire the same day? Everything. So I told myself, okay. Before this they completely get useless, let's walk out, let's just walk out and maybe let's go towards the swimming pool. Maybe we'll see people who can even witness. To. As I was just coming down, there was these three young guys. I just walked up to them. In fact, they were the ones that walked up to me. They were interested in the dog. And what is the name of this dog? This, I said, I don't know anything about no dog. I'm um, This dog for the first time is my son's dog. He said, it's, it's something Asian. I said, whatever, I said, I don't know. So, it just occurred to me, you came down for these three people. I said, but who are you guys? They said they were moving into this place. I said, you just packed, you know, so sorry. It's not been this bad in my estate before. I mean, this is the worst I've ever seen. This, that, 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 that. I said, so, are you guys going to be here with your parents? They said, no, but they'll just be here. Three of them. I said, wow. So, so where do you work? They said they are civil servants. So we just struck up a, a conversation and became like friends. And then by the time I finished I was entering in, they were driving off again. They all stopped, two vehicles. We chatted up. They said, I said, so when are you coming back? I said, today or tomorrow, that they can't wait to even come hope one will come we will see you. I said, yes, you will see me. I will welcome you with cake. My wife said, who will make the cake? I said, did I ask you to make that? They can buy cake. Anyway, what is my point? My point is real-time guidance from the Lord. Because I went to the pool, I didn't see nobody to talk to. I didn't feel bad. I saw some people from distance. I had no need. And I felt no guilt push. You know, the one that you make you feel guilty. So you go and start talking to somebody who do not know how to add past tense and present tense and together. And you are speaking your big English. You're not even making sense to you. Give your life to Christ. Say, yes, I've given. I can give again now. But he doesn't even understand anything you have said. But you want to feel happy that you spoke. I didn't feel led to nobody. And I, I didn't feel no pressure in my heart. I just felt, okay, you came out because of these three guys. So don't deal. Go back home. And still see what you can make out of your day. As, as Nigeria is squeezing you. High consciousness of real-time guidance from the Lord. Ah, exceeded my one hour. Uh, exactly one hour. All right. These are things we had from Dr. Woodruff. In Acts chapter 4, the prayer, the prayer, say, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands and confirm your words with the miraculous. And he said, boldness is a powerful expression of the reality of Or oh, A powerful expression of the reality of ingathering demands that we be filled with the boldness that comes from the Lord. It's got nothing to do with your personality. But it is the expressed momentum of the spirit that flows through our lives and that will tell us what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. This is the rest, not a cessation of work. Am I making sense to us? And the Bible says, let us be diligent to enter into this rest. Let us make every effort. This is the practicality of entering this rest. The rest here is the finished works of God. Amen? Amen. So it removes the stress of fear of will they hear, will they not hear. It's not your business. Whoever leads you to, go talk to the person he leads you to talk to. Whatever the outcome is, it's up to you. And if the outcome goes beyond, you talk to him. He tells you what to do for them. So many of us, like me, have known the frustration of trying to follow up people. You bend over backwards, do all kinds of things for them, and by the end of the day, they don't stand. And we also know people who have stood With little or no follow-up. Absolutely none. Amen. We believe God that there are thousands upon thousands in the valley of decision. We believe God that the field is white. We believe God that he is the God of the harvest. He owns the harvest. He has the record of the names. That are in that book. He knows them. He knows how to. Draw them to himself. Remember Jesus said. No one can come to me. Come to me. Except the father. Driven. Entry into that rest. Requires us to be diligent. In the spirit. It requires us to work hard. But you see the working hard. Is very different from sweating. And perspiring. It simply requires God who is the person or who is that person. And if he gives the slightest clue and indication, you jump and speak to the person. May every single day of our lives be filled with fruitful labor inside of this season of gathering. in the name of Jesus. Amen. May we know real-time guidance from the Lord. That does not make you spooky. Doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you carry yourself with some kind of a swag. We are the spiritual persons. It just makes you normal. When mm-hmm. you talk to people, you say, but how did you know? You say, I didn't know. Just felt left. You Go talk to people, they begin to open up You say, God led me. You say, I knew God led me. Let us all labor to enter into this rest. In God's way is a festival of rest. We will know this rest before we shortly go be with Jesus. And one thing we have always prayed and said to god is that we will not sleep in the season of harvest amen, amen. sleeping is just i fold my hand i do nothing we would not the bible says we should not sleep because those who sleep sleep in the night and those who get drunk, get drunk in the night. But the night is far spent, far gone. This is the day. Put on the armor of light. Let's walk circumspectly. Let's walk with sobriety. Let's work with the consciousness of the season that is within us. Let's carry the specialness that God has conferred on us with a strong sense of responsibility. But at the same time, no burden of guilt, burden of love. Let us pray. Amen. Thank you, Father. Um, I think we should just stand up and uh, pray for ourselves. Let's just respond to God in a very short way. Make an intelligent response. Respond to God. From all the things you've heard, labor to enter into that rest. There is a rest that remains for the people of God. And since that promise still remains, we are asked to work hard to enter into that rest. Speak to God in your own words. What will labor mean? What will being diligent mean? What will I strive means? Let's do our best. Let's be eager. Let's be diligent. Let's be zealous, exact ourselves. Let's make every effort. Let's try diligently to apprehend that for which we apprehended in Christ. Thank you, Father, for your hardest. And we have also heard you. And we respond with a yes. Sometimes we don't even know the right words to say. But before we can even figure out the right words, we are just simply saying yes to you, God. Yes to whatever you want. Yes to your word. Yes to your injunction. Yes to your command. And yes to the grace that knows the way. This grace, this grace, when it sets out for a vessel, it will not return and say, I did not find a vessel in my life. It definitely will download itself because I am a vessel and a carrier of this grace. And like Paul said, and the grace of God upon my life was not in vain, this grace will not be in vain, but we will labor. Paul said, I labor, whether it is I or the grace. But I labor more than them all. And so this grace will cause us to labor not in the flesh, but in the spirit to step in into this rest. Thank you, Father. Give you praise. Give you glory. Jesus, name.